Are you ready? Ready to take a ride? Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. Because the show is about to begin. From the front lines of America, Babylon, and transmitting worldwide on the internet and satellite, you are listening to Omega Man Radio Network with Shannon Davis. Ashley a long time ago that her and I would sing a song together sometime and as you know uh, Buzz and Phyllis are leaving us to uh, go on to uh, another ministry that the Lord has set before them and so this will be Ashley and I's last opportunity to sing together and we have become buddies over the past three years, so I'm going to keep my promise. Praise the Lord. Okay, can you see the words, Ashley? All right. Now, I want you to sing along with us now. The song is Happiness is the Lord, so you all know it. The members, you know it, right?
I made a promise to, uh, it was Amber one time. I didn't get the opportunity to fulfill it. Praise the Lord. I'm going to miss Buzz and, and Phyllis and Ashley. Buzz was one of the first guys that prayed with me when I came here. Weakling. <laughs> he was afraid I'd manifest. Okay, praise the Lord. God bless you this morning. And uh, This morning I thought we'd speak for a few minutes on a subject called Call to Ministry. It'll be a refresher for most of you, but it'll be an inspiration maybe to some of the visitors. And I've titled it Call to Ministry or Call to Minister. So if you have your Bibles, let's open them to Ephesians chapter 1 and we will begin. <clears throat> In Ephesians 1.16, it reads... Cease not to give thanks for, or this is Paul praying for the church at Ephesus. And Paul says, he ceased not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward. Who believe according to the workings of his mighty power. Which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion. And every name that is named not only in this world. But also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fill all in all. Now, when you came to the Lord Jesus Christ, God placed a calling on your life. If you look back at verse 18, Paul said that he was praying that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened that is illuminated that you may know what is the hope of your calling now this word calling here means a divine invitation to embrace salvation in the kingdom of God so you did not come to the Lord accidentally when you came to the Lord it was a specific call that he placed on your life and the other word in this verse says the hope of his calling. In other words, the hope that God had when he called you. This word hope or this phrase, the hope of his calling means the expectations of good that God expects from you when he called you. So if you can see here, when you came to the Lord... God had a hope and an expectation for you when he placed the call on your life to embrace the kingdom of God. Now, Jesus said in uh, John fourteen sixteen that I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto me except by the, uh, excuse me, no man comes unto the Father except by me. 
And then in John 6.44, Jesus said, No man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me, draw him, and I will raise him up on the last day. So when you came to the Lord, it was through a divine invitation. An invitation to salvation coupled with a hope for your life in Christ. So he has an expectation of you. Uh, God didn't call you. He didn't, uh, you weren't born again just to sit around. If you're involved in a church where all you do is sit on the pew, then you're missing part of your calling. God had a specific purpose when he called you to come into the kingdom of God. He expects something out of your life. One of the first things you were called into, the instant you were born again, you were into a spiritual conflict with the enemies of God. At the instant you were born again, your spirit came into conflict with Satan. Because you're either for God or you're against God. If you're with God, then you're in automatic opposition to the forces of darkness. Now, many believers don't act actively uh, involve themselves in fighting the forces of darkness. But your spirit is in conflict with the demons. And this is because all of us have demons. And those demons are inside your body. And when that old spirit of yours became inborn or um, became reborn by the Holy Spirit, that spirit inside of you came in immediate conflict with the forces of darkness. Now those demons inside you have got to oppose that reborn spirit. So if a believer chooses not to fight the demons, it's of no, it doesn't matter. Because the demons are inside and they're blocking off the spiritual growth of the reborn spirit. So when you became born again, you were in instant conflict with the enemies of God. Now, one of the things that God called you into when he reborn you was he called you to be a soldier. He did not call you to be a clerk sitting on the side. He did not call you just to sit around and do nothing and wait on the rapture or wait on the uh, second coming of Christ. He called you to be a soldier. Let's go over to 2 Timothy 2.3. Our soldier has to endure hardness. In 2 Timothy 2.3, Paul says that thou therefore should endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that wore it entangled himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier. So one of the callings on your life is to be a soldier. That word hardness there means that you're going to have to suffer you're going to have to endure hardship. You're going to have to endure troubles. You're going to be afflicted if you're going to be a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. You were called to be a soldier. That's one of the things that God placed upon your life. Now, another thing that you need in the call of the Lord is you must have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. There is no way that you will be an effective soldier in this war without the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. When you became born again, God took your old spirit and the Holy Spirit reborn that old spirit and it became a part of God. But now you need the power to charge that reborn spirit. And without that power, you cannot be an effective soldier in this war. That would be like sending a soldier into battle with a rifle and you keep the bullets. 
He will not be affected whatsoever on the battlefield. He has an unloaded gun. So you must have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Now I know there's a lot of churches today that do not believe in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit or the infilling of the Holy Spirit. But it is scriptural. If you're in a church that do not believe this, it's time to move. Let's go to John chapter 14. John 14, 16. You see, the battle lines are being drawn. All of this doubt and unbelief that's being promulgated from the pulpits of a lot of churches, you're going to have to leave it. Jesus told you to be aware of what you hear. And if they can feed that doubt and unbelief into your spirit, then it will hinder you from fulfilling the call that God has placed on your life. In John 14, 16, we have the promise of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I will pray the Father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. This is the Holy Spirit promised by God in uh, promised by Jesus in 1426. Jesus says, but the comforter, John 14, 26, but the comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. You need the Holy Spirit. Over in Acts 1, 8, which you should be familiar with. <clears throat> in Acts 1, 8, Jesus told the disciples, and this is for us also. But you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. The baptism or the indwelling of the Holy Spirit into your spirit is the source of power. This power is necessary to minister. If you do not have that, you cannot minister effectively. This is why there's a lot of godly called men and women trying to operate in ministry and they don't have the power to, to battle the forces of darkness because they don't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, over in Acts 8.14 is another example of the necessity of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 8.14 the people at Samaria had, had believed in Jesus, therefore they were born again. It says in verse 14, Now when the apostles, which were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who when they were come down, prayed for them, that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then laid they their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now you can see here the importance of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. These people believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, therefore they were born again. But they needed the Holy Spirit in order to minister effectively. So the church of Jerusalem sent Peter and John down to lay hands on them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. Now the reason that ministries or men and women, believers, lack power in ministry... The reason they are not as effective is because they do not have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And that is needed. Now God does not baptize your spirit with the Holy Spirit that you can sit around and brag that you can speak in tongues. 
That is not the purpose of it. The purpose of it is to indwell you with power to minister. And you must use that power. A stick of dynamite is of no value unless it's exploded. So you have to take that power that the Lord has given you and use that power in the calling that he's placed on your life. Praise the Lord. Now it's possible, in fact it, it, it is, that you can be born again and never receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It is also you can live, you can go home to be with the Lord and never receive the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. The infilling of the Holy Spirit will not determine salvation. But if you're going to do the works of Christ, if you're going to do the greater works than Christ, you're going to need the indwelling or the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're going to look at some general callings upon the life of the believer. There are some things that all believers are called to do. I don't care who they are. If they are born again believer, they are called to do certain things. And we're going to look at these. The first one is to spread the gospel. Let's turn over to Matthew 28, 18. All believers are called to spread the gospel. Now that doesn't mean all believers are called to fill pulpits. In Matthew 28, 18, just before the Lord went up to the third heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father, Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All the power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And then he says, this is delegated power. He says, now go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the ends of the earth. Now, the, uh, the subject of the sentence in verse 19 is you. Go you, therefore. Now, this doesn't give you the license to move out into missionary field. But what he is doing here is he is delegating that power and commissioning you to proclaim the gospel. Let's turn over to Mark 16. Mark 16, 15. This is part of the Great Commission. When I used to be a Southern Baptist, we could read Mark 16, 15 and 16, 16 through 19 were not in the Bible as far as we were concerned. In Mark 16, 15, he says unto them, go you into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Now that word preach means publicize, proclaim, publish the word of God or publish the gospel. This means tell your loved ones, tell, your, tell those that are around you, plant the seed in people about the kingdom of God, about the gospel of God. It does not mean that it's left to a certain individuals to plant the gospel. It means we all have a responsibility to proclaim, to publicize the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's a general calling in the life of every believer. Now that does not mean you go up to your relatives and smack them in the face with the Bible. What it means is you plant the seed. Now there are some individuals the Lord will not lead you to tell the gospel to. You may just give them a track. You have to allow the Lord to lead you in this. There's a church not very far from us that sends them out two by two. And when they get through with you, you either accept the Lord or you beat up the two guys that came to talk to you. Because they'll make you that mad. They'll grab you and holler, do you have the gift of eternal salvation? And you... 
they just turn people off. So this is not the way we're supposed to be doing it. We have a responsibility to preach, publicize, and proclaim the gospel. Now do not allow the demons to manifest and interfere with you telling someone about the Lord. Because if the Lord sends someone to you to tell them about him and you avoid doing it, their blood is on your head. Um, back in the 70s, we had a relative that was sent to us, uh, 1,000 miles, sent to us to hear the gospel and spent about a week with us. And we just skirted that issue and skirted that issue. And five months later, he died. Well, he was sent intentionally to hear the gospel. So that's our responsibility to preach, proclaim, publicize the gospel. Now, this does not license you to be an evangelist. Paul said for you to do the work of an evangelist, which is to proclaim the gospel. But this does not license you to be an evangelist. And I see a lot of ladies nowadays, and I think it's part of an end time deception, that are on radio, on TV, and they're titling themselves evangelists. And God did not call them to be an evangelist. In the first place, biblically, evangelists deal with the unsaved. Evangelists go into unexplored territories. Just look through Acts and you'll see the, the actions of the evangelists. They go to unexplored territory. They do not teach and preach to born again spirit filled believers. So most of the people that I see titling themselves evangelists are teaching saved people. So they're not called evangelists of God. They're called by the enemy. Now the reason for that is to operate deception through that person and then operate deception and pass off false gifts into the people that they lay hands on. Because you'll notice most of those evangelists love to lay their hands on people. Okay, now another commission or calling in your life that all believers are supposed to do is heal the sick. If there's anyone in your household and they become sick, you are supposed to lay hands on them. You are supposed to go get that anointing oil. You are supposed to anoint them and lay hands on them. You are not supposed to just sit there and watch them suffer. Sit there and just say, well, I wish there was something we could do. You are to go get that oil and you are to heal the sick. That is a call on every believer's life. Right here in Mark 16, 18. It says, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. This is a sign that follow believers. Are you a believer? Yes, you are. Then this sign should be following you. You shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall, and they shall recover. He didn't say there's a 50-50 chance. Now, that other part of the scripture about taking up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing... We're going to really need that scripture in the end times because the witches are sending things on psychic lines against us that you better start praying over the food that you eat and the stuff that you drink so that that stuff will be dematerialized and not go into you and shall not harm you. If I were you, I would never eat in a restaurant without praying over that food. Now, I wouldn't search out serpents and rocks to pick them up and see if they'd bite but um, if you accidentally take up a serpent and you drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt you. But your responsibility is to lay hands on the sick. Let's go over to James chapter 5. James 5, 4. 5, 14, sorry. James 5, 14 says, Is there any sick among you? 
Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Now that word elder means those who preside, preside over the assembly. So guess what? If you're at home and daddy's there, that's his responsibility. If mommy's sick or the children's sick, it is daddy's responsibility to get hold of them, anoint them in oil, and pray over them, and they shall recover. If daddy's not home and mommy's there, she's second in command, then it's her responsibility. If one of the older children has been left there and mommy and daddy's not there at that time, they're presiding, they're in charge, it's their responsibility. Now, at our household, the males are in charge. If I'm not there, then the next oldest male is left in charge of the household. So if someone turns up sick, it's his responsibility to take them and anoint them in oil. Okay? Praise the Lord. That's one of your callings. You were called to heal the sick. Turn to Matthew 10, 7. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Here's Jesus commissioning the twelve. In Matthew 10, 7, he says, And as you go, preach, publicize, proclaim, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Here, the disciples were told to proclaim the gospel, heal the sick, and cast out demons. That is the other part of the calling on the life of every believer. Every born-again believer is called of God to attack the demons. Everyone, regardless of the denomination. They are called to attack the demons. If they are not attacking the demons in your church, they're missing part of the calling and it's time to leave. Now, you can pray over it. You can sit there and say, well, they may get to it one of these days. But if they are not attacking the demons, it's time to leave. There's just no other way about it. I believe that as the Lord draws this time to an end that those things that God winked at in the past, he is not going to wink at anymore. It is time for the believers to start doing the job that God has called us to do. Proclaim the gospel, heal the sick, and cast out demons. When Jesus sent the 70 out, the 70 disciples out, he did the same thing. He told them, go into all these areas, proclaim the gospel that the kingdom of God has come, Heal those that are sick and cast out demons. The Lord Jesus Christ never backed down from the forces of darkness. And neither are you. You're supposed to attack them. You're supposed to go in there. If they kill you, you, go, you just go home to be with the Lord. But you're supposed to go in there and attack the forces of darkness. This is a call that is placed on the life of all believers. Every born again believer is supposed to be out defeating the demonic hosts. That's in Mark 16, 15 through 18. You were called to evangelize, you were called to heal, and you were called to deliver. Now some people, especially theologians, like to claim that Mark 16 was not in the original text. All right, then let's go to John 14, 12. If Mark was not in the original text, let's go to John 14, 12 then. We can agree with any theologian that John was in the original text. 
John 14, 12 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, truly, truly, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And not only those works that he did shall you do, but greater works than these shall you do, because I go to be with my Father. So, the Lord said, not only the works that I did are you to do, but you're to do even greater works. All right? What did Jesus do? Let's go over to Mark 1.38. He said we are to do what he did. Let's find out what he did. That's redundant. <laughs> Mark 1.38. And he said unto them, them, let us go into the next town that I may preach, proclaim, publicize there also. For therefore came I, and he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee, and he did what else? He cast out devils, or he cast out demons. He publicized the gospel, and he attacked the demons. That's our responsibility. Matthew 9.32. I mean, anywhere they pop their head up, attack. Matthew 9.32. He says... As they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with a devil, or another translation, a demon. And when the demon was cast out, the dumb spake, and the multitude marveled, saying, It was never so seen in Israel. What did Jesus do? He attacked the demons. Anywhere the demons pop their heads up, attack. If it's in your husband, bind them up. <laughs> Uh, it depends what it is before you go out and attack it, ladies. If it's in your wife, husbands, attack it. Okay? If it's in your children, attack it. If it's in your job, your employers, or your co-workers, attack. Too many times the born-again believers allow the demons to manifest and have their way. And they just go on. They give you a hard time on the job. They give you a hard time at school. And you just sit there and take it. Attack the demons. And if you have to, speak it out. Boss, in the name of Jesus, I attack that control spirit coming out of you. You need boldness. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Matthew 12, 22. Wife, I attack that Jezebel spirit in the name of Jesus Christ. Husbands need boldness. Matthew 12, 22. Then was brought unto him one possessed with a devil, blind and dumb, and Jesus healed him, insomuch that the blind and dumb both spake and saw. Jesus attacked the spirits. The guy brought to the Lord, he was possessed of a demon that was hindering his sight and hindering his speech and the Lord attacked it he healed him he cast that spirit out of him in Mark 5 1 Jesus attacks the gathering or the, excuse me yes the gathering demoniac he attacked the spirit called legion this man had at least somewhere between 2,000 to 6,000 evil spirits a Roman legion could have anywhere from 2,000 to 6,000 soldiers so this man had from 2,000 to 6,000 demons. And what did Jesus do? Not only did he attack these spirits and kick them out of there, but there was a restoration process that went on in the man's mind. So in order for the church, in order for the believers to do the works of Christ, they are going to have to be restored. And the only way the church is going to be restored is through deliverance. If you do anything else, the demons are going to still sit inside the body. 
and they will sit in there and camp around the spirit and cut off the, the flow of the power of God. The reason people can't love one another is because the love of God is shed abroad in their hearts. And that means that that love from God, that agape love, is sitting inside the spirit. Now, in order for that love to be manifested, that which is invisible becomes visible in character. In order for that to manifest, which it comes forth in compassion, which is an action, it's got to come from the inside and come out. And when it tries to come out, it hits that demonic wall inside. So the only way people are going to be able to love and break through the forces of darkness is the demons that are sitting inside blocking off the love flow are going to have to be kicked out. If that doesn't happen, the love will not flow. Now that's the way it's been in my life. You may, we've been married, um, my wife and I, this is our 25th year. And we had at least 20 years of um, marriage with the demons doing a very effective job of blocking the love flow. That's why people can stay married 20 and 30 years and walk away from each other and become bitter enemies. I mean bitter enemies. You would never know they were married the way they act. And that's because those demons sit inside and the true love that's supposed to flow between husband and wife down that, um, um, down that soul tie that makes them one flesh, the demons sit there and wall it off. A nice, uh, neat little tactic the demons use in marriages. There's a uh, theory in um, magnetism that says, unlike, let me see, what does it say? Opposites attract in magnetic fields. If you got a positive here and a negative here, they will attract. And likes, what is that? Um, huh? Okay, likes repel. Well, what the demons like to do is take a couple that are opposite to one another and draw them together in marriage. For example, here's a lady that grew up in a family where... Uh, the daddy was a marinette. He did not have love. He was a hardline disciplinarian. There was very little hugging in their family. Um, she was conceived prior to uh, marriage. And the daddy did not want the mother because the mother became expectant. So there's rejection. The mother did not want the baby because she wanted to keep the man and he wanted to leave because he found out she was expecting. There's rejection. And then the man walks away and abandons the baby. There's abandonment. There's fear of abandonment. And in this girl is rejection, fear of abandonment, uh, loneliness, disparity, hopelessness. All these spirits come into her as a baby. Then over this girl, she grows up with these demons. Then over here is a man who grew up in a hardline family that did not have love, did not have the hugging and the embracing that daddy should do with sons, uh, that daddy should do with daughters. They did not have that love, and this guy's a hardline disciplinarian. So what happens? They grow up, and they get married. Sitting over here on the right, on the left, is a woman that has rejection, and she needs double the amount of care and concern from that man she's married. He's got to show an extra amount of love. 
in order to overcome that rejection. He can't do that. Because in him are the spirits that are blocking the love flow that he can't give her the love that she needs. He can't give her the assurance that she needs that he loves her. And then sitting over in him is the uh, desire to fulfill her needs, but he can't do it. And then sitting over in her is the desire to fulfill his needs, but she can't do it because she's afraid he's going to leave her. And then they go on year after year after year and the demons just wear them completely out. Every time he reaches for her, he hits that wall up. I'm afraid he's going to leave me. If I ever expose my true feelings to him, he will abuse me. Sitting over in her, every time she reaches for him, she hits that wall that he can't really love her. He can't really embrace her. And they go year after year after year like that. And then eventually the demons wear them to the point where they split up. And they become bitter enemies. But through the Lord Jesus Christ, there's deliverance and there's hope. You see, the, the, the husband has a unique um, position in the Lord. He has got to be able to be a warrior with his shield and his sword and face the forces of darkness and do bitter combat with those forces of darkness, yet turn around to his family and be a compassionate vessel of love. That's a unique thing, isn't it? Praise the Lord. Lord Jesus Christ had that. The Lord Jesus Christ could attack the forces of darkness. He could annihilate them and yet take John and let John lay his head on his breast and be totally compassionate and love. And that's not schizophrenia. That is the force or the um, agape love. And that's what a husband's got to be able to do. Be a warrior and be a lover. Show, show uh, uh, de determined def uh, defense and force against the enemy yet be able to turn to his wife and embrace her in such a way that she just melt. <laughs> we may all still need some areas of prayer, huh? <laughs> Got some wives saying amen to that? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay, in uh, Mark seven twenty four, that was a rabbit, <laughs> an official Pastor Whirly rabbit. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, Mark seven twenty four, Jesus deals with the uh, daughter of the Syrophoenician woman in twenty four through thirty. You can read that sometime. Most of you know it, but here again. The Lord encounters, now this is the area that we are coming into, or should be coming into, casting out demons out of persons who are not physically present. This lady came to the Lord, she was a Syrophoenician, being, uh, being a Greek, she was not at that time authorized to partake of deliverance. But yet the Lord had compassion on her, cast an unclean spirit out of her daughter who was not present, and healed her. This is an area we're coming into. But here again, the Lord Jesus Christ attacked the demons. That's a call in our life to attack the demons. Uh, in Luke 4, 31. Uh, Luke 4, 31. Uh, Jesus and the disciples, they came down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and, and taught them on the Sabbath day, Jesus did. 
and they were, were astonished at his doctrine or his teachings, for his word was with power. And in the synagogue there was a man with a spirit of an unclean demon, and cried out with a loud voice, saying, Let us alone, what have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in the midst, he came out of him and hurt him not. Here again, Jesus is casting out unclean spirit, this time right inside the church. You know, sometime I ask the Lord, would you really manifest a good strong demon inside some of those real big churches? That will disrupt choir rehearsal. You know, let's get one Lord that just jumps up and goes across the top of the pews and run up to the pulpit and grab hold of the minister and throw him out of the pulpit. Yeah, get a little excitement in those churches, you know. I mean, sometimes when you see them on TV, they just sit there and nobody does anything and they just sit there and it's just so dull. I said, Lord, why don't you just manifest something in there? Let them see the power of God. Folks, I tell you, I'm so excited hearing this program. Um, I've never heard of Joe Miles before, but among the, uh, the vault where we have thousands of audios that I've had an opportunity to uh, digitize over the years, uh, working with Hegwish and the Holt Salzer Foundation, etc. I was looking for an audio to play yesterday, and of course we ran mass deliverance for January 1st show, and then I saw this one by a guy named Joe Miles. I've never heard him speak before, and it was about an hour and 21 minutes, so I didn't have time to run it last night, but I thought, you know what, I'm going to play it for tonight, and I'm so glad that I did. I want to find out who this guy was. He was a guest speaker back at uh, probably the family workshop, Hegwish Baptist Church, October 20th, 1985. And he's definitely involved in deliverance. So I've reached out to um, some of our friends at Hegwish, Pastor Michael Thier, and see if they remember this guy. Because, uh, man, I'd like to get more like this. But beyond that, uh, I'll get back to the audio and play here in just a moment. But I want to mention something. If you've never been up to Hegwish Baptist Church, you've got to get up there. You will have the weekend of your life. Oh, it's so much fun. Uh, they have speakers every day. Uh, they have uh, deliverance every service. And the Saturday night meeting is the big one because in the evening they have the mass deliverance. If you or someone has never seen demons manifest, get them up there. You'll be a true believer, and you may get a chance to hold someone's leg down as they're manifesting, or someone's holding your leg down. People go up there, and they don't realize it, and pop goes the weasel. Demon manifests, and next thing you know, they, they're laying on the ground. Could be you. Could be me. And someone's cast that demon out. I've seen it with my own eyes. It was amazing stuff. Real deliverance. Once the demons get up there, they're, they're damned. They're doomed. They're going to come out. As one lady manifested, screamed out the demon inside her, said, I told you not to come. And it was too late. They grabbed her. And she went to the four demon full-on manifestation. And uh, she got free. You'll see supernatural things there. Also, you get plenty of chance to get prayer and pray for others if you want to 
get involved in deliverance, pray for somebody, get an opportunity up there many times and uh, they have a fellowship after the program at night and uh, they used to go out to a local restaurant after glow. I think they serve one meal there on Saturday, but in the evenings they go out for after glow and by the time you get back to your hotel room, you are so tired. But next thing you know, it's 8 o'clock and things are cranking up over there again. I was sleepy. I fell asleep just about uh, one morning because we stayed up all night and uh, hardly kept my head up. Uh, You're just going to be running ragged all weekend long. It starts uh, Thursday night is the commencement. Pastor Michael Thier will preach. Then Friday, Saturday, and then it ends on Sunday with the morning service. You got access to the um, the book room over there. They've got all the stuff that Win Worley produced, in terms of the books and booklets and hundreds and hundreds of audio and video. It's one, it's a huge deliverance bookstore. I kid you not. I went up there and didn't know if I'd ever see it again. And I uh, went out of there with four large paper sacks like getting it in the grocery store in the old days and they were so full cassettes were falling out on the ground and I stuffed them in the, I bought them and I stuffed them in the back of my uh, car and people's eyes were getting big what's he doing hey look I was desperate for deliverance this is ammunition I don't know if I'd ever have a chance to get up there again praise the Lord though I made lifelong friends there I'm so excited. Who knows? I might even hop a plane and get up there. I haven't been back to America since 2016. And um, certainly don't like the idea of leaving my family behind, but we can't get a visa for Mama right now, so family's not going anytime soon unless God opened that door. But I might, I just might be tempted to find me one of these red eyes, get up to the States and make my way up to that conference. Now, in January, it's for men only. Uh, they have one meeting like that every year. It's called the Men's Leadership Conference. It's January 22nd to the 25th. And then three times a year, they have the whole family workshop. Everybody can come. So if you're a man of God out there and you want to get up to a what be an exciting time, you want to get involved in deliverance, start where it all began. Hegwish Baptist Church is going strong for Jesus. Website hbcdelivers.com. When Worley's book room, bookstore is wrwpublications.com. Some of the greatest training you'll get anywhere on deliverance, even today in 2023. Nobody's topped it. It's great stuff. And who knows? Um, if I get me an international driver's license in the next week or two, I just might find me a plane fare and get on up there. I want to get up there, but uh, if I can't drive that, I'd be stuck. I'd have to be calling Uber. That'd be kind of suck. So um, I'm going to work on an international driver's license here. And then when I come in, I can rent a car as an Indonesian driver. <laughs> it's crazy. You ought to see what I'm having to go through right now to try to get back an American driver's license because I couldn't renew it. I was gone. And uh, you got to do it in person, and I didn't get back in time. So I lost my license. Can you imagine that? in America, but I can drive as an Indonesian, you see? Indonesian driver. I'm an American, but I've got an Indonesian driver's license, so 
where there's Willard's Way. And if not, well, I guess we got Uber. Who knows? I'm not saying I'm going to do it. But I'm thinking about it. I'm going to pray about it, see what God wants. I miss Hegwish. I've been up there to the men's conference. And I've been up to uh, one, I think, two of the family workshops. I had a blast when I went up there. But I haven't been back since 2011. It's been that long. I've been away. Almost eight years here and then in uh, Vegas for almost three. I'd like to see my old friends, Pastor Michael Thier, Charlie Costello, and could see Jason Worley, looks just like his, his granddad, and uh, Victor Mravlag, anybody else who might be up there. Uh, it'd be an awesome. Anyway, whether or not I go, you can go, and if you can't go, you can still be part of it on Zoom. They'll be broadcasting live. But it'll be January 25th to 28th. It's at Hegwish Baptist Church. It's an hour outside of Chicago, a place called Highland, Indiana. Okay, I'm going to get back to Joe Miles. I hope you're enjoying this. You know, let them see the demons that are out there. Let that man of God that's at the pulpit see what's happening out there. Because if a man is in the pulpit and his heart is not breaking over the condition of his people, 90 seconds. he doesn't deserve to be in the pulpit. So I asked the Lord, you know, in fact, I saw an traveling evangelist that was uh, over in Joliet one time and he was just laying hands on people. He had a tremendous spirit of lust because he loved to lay hands on the women. And I was just standing there in the pew and I said, Lord, please manifest a good strong Jezebel. One that will tear his head off. (laughs) That'll teach him not to lay hands on ladies. Because Jezebel will do that. You put your hand on top of her head sometimes, she'll tear your face off. But praise the Lord. So we see here the Lord is casting out demons. Now there's many other examples in the scriptures of the Lord casting out demons. An interesting thing about this, let's turn to Acts 10.38. Acts 10.38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. See there, he's anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. God said Jesus did those things which were good. Then in the eyes of God, casting out demons is good. Praise the Lord. Don't let anyone discourage you from this ministry. It is the most vital ministry in these times, second to salvation casting out demons there is no way the body of Christ is going to be restored unless those demons are kicked out in John 8 29 Jesus said that he always do those things which please the father and he that sent me is with me the father hath not let me alone left me alone for I do always those things that please him the father in heaven is pleased when we cast out demons. Praise the Lord. We may not know until we get to heaven. How much pleasure. The father in heaven receives. From his children. Attacking the forces of darkness. Praise the Lord. I like to tell the demons sometime. When you have them on the ropes. And they're kick screaming and hollering. And not able to do anything against you. And I just tell them a dirt ball. Is casting out this little piece of slime. Praise the Lord. And just called him a little maggot. Praise the Lord. 
The Father in heaven is pleased when you cast out demons. So, a general calling on the life of every believer is to publicize the gospel, heal the sick, and cast out demons. We are supposed to be doing that all the time. Now, a little secret that the enemy will use against you at Hegwish is a little tactic that he likes to use, and he used it against me, so I'm going to assume that he uses it against the rest of you. At the end of the service, when the people are invited to come up and receive ministry, our job, our responsibility, our calling in this ministry is to either minister deliverance or receive deliverance. No middle ground. We're either to be on the side coming up to minister deliverance or we to be in the middle to receive deliverance unless there's an absolute necessity for us to be somewhere else. Now what the demons will do is they will encourage you to get up and hold a conversation right after the invitation is given. And they'll encourage you to get in the pew and bend down real low because everybody else is standing up and stoop down and hold a conversation so that you will not be seen. They will also, they have a little tactic where those two screens are back there in the back where you know the doors to come in is have you go stand around on the side of that little screen next to the wastebasket so that you cannot be seen when, they work, when they're being called for workers. And you'll stand there and kind of notice the number of grooves in the wall so that you can't be seen. That's a little tactic of the enemy to keep you from ministering. Or they'll tell you it is time to go to the ladies' room or it is time to go to the men's room. Anything that it takes to reduce your effectiveness in the ministry. Because if you don't keep praying for people and keep praying for people and keep praying for people and keep receiving prayer, you'll burn out of the ministry. It'll become very easy to slide out of here at the end of the service. It'll become very easy to say, uh, no, I can't pray for anybody. I've got to get an ice cream cone. Any excuse will become justifiable. And that's a tactic that they used on me. And I did that for a while. I would stand up in the pew, turn my back to the person that's calling. He said, Joe, can't hear him. Joe, no, I don't hear you. Somebody calling me? Nope. And I'd stay there and ignore him. And that's a tactic that they used. So don't allow them to uh, uh, cause you to miss your blessing. Cause you to miss the calling that the Lord has placed on your life. Okay? Praise the Lord. Now, I know he just did that to me, so most of the rest of you can just jot that down for the future, since that hasn't happened to you yet. Praise the Lord. Okay. You were called into conflict with the forces of darkness, whether you want to or not. By the virtue of your rebirth, you are in conflict with Satan. Now, the people of God have always been in conflict with the forces of darkness, even in the Old Testament. When God sent the nation of Israel into the promised land, they were sent in there in opposition to the satanic kingdoms that were in the promised land. They were told, go in there. The only way you could do deliverance in those days was through death. So the Lord sent them into the promised land, told them, kill every man, woman, child, everything that breathed in the cities, in the area they were to settle. Those areas were highly demonized. Those people were demon worshipers. They had all kind of paganism in the land. And God told the nation of Israel, in the immediate vicinity of where you're going to settle, kill men, women, children, oxen, everything that breathes. And then he said, in the outlying areas where you will not be settling, kill only the men. Spare the women and children. 
But in those immediate towns, in Jericho, in Ai, and those other places, every man, woman, and child was had to be killed because of the influx of demonic activity. Jesus Christ had not come on the earth, so you could not cast out demons in Jesus' name. The only way to get rid of them was through death. The Ten Commandments was given by God in opposition to the grounds of the demons. If you look at every one of the commandments, it's a commandment to take away the demonic grounds. Thou shalt not steal takes away the grounds for thievery, for covetousness, and the other things for greed. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife takes away the demonic grounds for adultery and fornication and lust, perverseness. It takes all the grounds away. Um, some of the other things that God told them in those Ten Commandments took away the grounds for demonic activity. That was the purpose of it. All the other laws of God destroy the witches. Uh, do not deal in uh, astrology and these things were taking away the grounds for the demons so that they could not operate in the people of God. And when the demon did get into the people of God in Israel, they were killed. You remember that's what happened to um, Achan. When they went up against Ai, and God told them not to take up any of the jewels, any of the silver and gold, Achan went up there and took some of the silver and, and one of the blankets and hid it in his tent. And God said that there was sin in the land. It cost the lives of 30 men in the army when it went against Ai. And God came back and told him, kill Achan, kill his wife, kill his children, kill his oxen, and destroy everything he has. Because it gave grounds for the demons to come into their lives. Okay? Praise the Lord. Everywhere that the Lord Jesus Christ went, he was in conflict with the forces of darkness. In the storms, in the wilderness, at prayer, he encountered the religious spirits, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Sadducees. These were nothing but spirits. Jesus knew the forces that were behind them. Uh, in sicknesses and disease, Jesus, Jesus was in constant conflict with the forces of darkness. And so are you. You are to have an ever ongoing warfare with the forces of darkness. Everywhere you see them pop their head up, you are to attack them. The only member of deity operating in the earth today is the Holy Spirit. The Father is in the third heaven. The Lord Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father in the third heaven in person. And the Holy Spirit is operating in the earth. The, the, the vehicle that the Lord Jesus Christ and the Father in heaven are using to attack the kingdom of darkness are the born again believers. He is not manifesting anything into the air to attack the forces of darkness. He's using you. So you are to be in constant conflict with the forces of darkness. There is no time out. You do not bang heads together and then do a T and say time out for a while. There isn't any time out. There aren't any lunch breaks. You have to keep attacking, attacking. If you find yourself can't do the warfare prayers, if you find yourself not being able to pray, force yourself to do it. It's that important. The enemy is taking people out of the world, out of deliverance at an alarming rate. Someone here was telling me this morning, they've been here much longer than I have, and they say that they were looking around and they were astonished at the number of people who have left over the years that they've been here. And I've been here less than they have. And they say they were a shock when they looked around at the number of people that are gone. The enemy is pulling people out of deliverance. Okay, so that's three areas of your life that you were called into when you became born again. 
Now you were also called of the Lord to yearn, to learn to use the power of God to combat the forces of darkness. You cannot be ignorant in this war. You've got to learn how to use the power of God. Let's go to Ephesians 1:17 again. Ephesians 1.17, this is Paul again praying for the church at Ephesus. Paul prays that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation in the knowledge of God. This is something that you need. You need the spirit of wisdom. You should be praying for that, asking the Lord to give you the spirit of wisdom that you can fulfill the calling that he's placed on your life. Ask the Lord to give you the spirit of revelation. Norman Parrish gave us a report about three or four years ago on the operation of the spirit of revelation in one of their people. And if you remember, in uh, I think in one of the books, Pastor Worley tells about the uh, spirit of revelation operating through a lady down in Colombia, uh, in uh, Guatemala, that told him some things about the, the deliverance ministry and where they were going. And it was a confirmation of what the Lord had told him. But she was operating under the spirit of revelation. In fact, when Norman said they encountered this thing, or this spirit, it was after they prayed for a guy, and all of a sudden another spirit spoke up. And they thought it was a demon, so they attacked it, and nothing happened. And so they asked the spirit, they said, did Jesus Christ come in the flesh? And Norman said that this spirit said that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. The Lord was born of a virgin. He, was, he died on the cross. He shed his blood. He went into the grave and he was resurrected unto power on high. That was a spirit of revelation. A demon would never say all of that freely. So that was a spirit of revelation. And it revealed some things that was going to happen in this deliverance ministry. So praise the Lord. You should be praying for that. Uh, uh, Paul also said in verse 18 that um, the knowledge, the eyes of our understanding being enlightened or our understanding should be illuminated that we may know what is the hope of God's calling. That we may receive illumination from God within us as to the expectations that he has for our life. See, if you go upon this earth and die and go home to be with the Lord and never know what the Lord wanted you to do, you're going to be sad when you get to heaven for a while. We should know what it is the Lord is expecting from us. This is what Paul prayed. Paul also prayed that uh, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe. See, we don't understand the workings of the power that God has towards us. He has a power for us that will blow the demons completely out of their socks. Because this same power in verse 20, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, that same power that God used when he brought Jesus forth from the dead, is he sending that forward to the believers to use against the forces of darkness. That is an unbelievable form of power. A power that blows the demons completely out of their socks. I used to wonder sometimes how I would be on the front pew here praying with someone 
And they'd be sitting there and the demons would, you know, he'd smile a couple of times or scratch his forehead a couple of times. And, you know, you'd be just using everything you know how to attack this demon. And, I mean, they'd just kind of sit there and just kind of grin at you. And then Pastor Worley would walk by and the demon would go berserk, try to tear my head off, pull the pew apart. And then Pastor Worley would go on by and the demon would relax. Okay, it's just Joe again. Go back to relaxation. And I would say, what is going on here? And it's something that the pastor has received of the Lord that the demons go crazy when he's in the area. A young man told me during one of the song services, he said, I've been in many churches where they sang songs and this never happened. He said, what is going on here? They're doing the songs. The demons and people are running all over the place. So praise the Lord. There's a power that's working through pastor world that's causing the demons to manifest. Praise the Lord. You were called to learn to use that power. Now, there are, there are some, some specific areas that the Lord calls people into. And this is over in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians 12, 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. And God has sent some in the church, which is the body of Christ, First apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, and diversities of tongues. Now the Lord is calling some of you into this position. Apostles are sent ones. Those are people that are sent out on the missionary fields. Prophets are God's spokesmen. God will call you into these positions. I don't know of any prophets today. There are some, but I don't know. Everyone that has a card identifying himself as a prophet is not a prophet. Uh, God calls you to a position of a teacher. And teachers are those that teach the word of God. God may call you into that position. God calls people into the position of miracles. This is a specific calling. And by the way, deliverance is a miracle ministry. According to the Lord Jesus Christ in Mark 9.39, he said that no one casts out, no one does a miracle in his name except they be with him. And this was in response to the disciples saying that there was a man casting out demons and he was not of their group and they forbade him. And Jesus said, forbade him not for no man doeth a miracle in my name except he be with me. Deliverance is a miracle ministry. So you all that are involved in deliverance have been called into miracles. Praise the Lord. Some are called into the gifts of healing. I knew a lady one time that had a genuine ministry of healing. She did not hang up a shingle saying healer. She did not title herself evangelist. She did not travel around and establish her own ministry. But she had a genuine ministry of healing that operated through her. Some of you may have that. There's a position in the body of Christ called helps. Helps means care for the poor, care for the sick. Some of you are called into that position. There's a position called government, those that are in leadership positions. Divers tongues, those that have different types of tongues. Some of you have been called of the Lord to give utterances in tongues. But the spirits of fear have been hindering you from speaking them out. There are diversities of tongues there are interpretation of tongues some of you have been called to interpret the messages in tongues 
that is established in the church, at least three people have the gift of interpreting tongues in the body of Christ in a local assembly. At least three, according to the scriptures. So someone's been operating on a fear that doesn't always give the interpretation. Because the Bible says, let the first one keep silent and the other one speak. And then let the first confirm that which the other ones say. So some of you have the gift of interpretation of tongues and you haven't been speaking it. Some of you have the, the uh, God's been giving you an utterance in tongues and you haven't been speaking it because of fear. Okay. You were called of the Lord to utilize the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now there's a lot of fear in using the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But you were called of God to use those gifts in order to carry out the ministry of evangelism, healing, and deliverance. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, 4. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 says, Now there are diversities or different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of administration or the way they operate, but the same Lord. There are diversities of operation. But it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit. Gifts of the Holy Spirit are not given to you for yourself. They are given to you for other people. They are given to you to help others. There's not, God does not give you a gift that you can sit up and say, I can interpret tongues. The gifts are given to you to help other people. Uh, verse 8 says, For to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom. Now this does not mean all wisdom, but it means a word of wisdom. A bit of information concerning a future event. To another, a word of knowledge. A word of knowledge. Information concerning the present or the past by the same Spirit. To another, faith. This is special faith. God will give a person special faith in a, in a time of necessity according to the will of the Lord to carry out a certain event. Uh, when that DC-10 crashed in Chicago three, four years ago, if there was a born-again believer on there with the power of God operating through him, he could have straightened that plane up. If he believed God for it, he could have straightened that plane up. To another, the gift of healing by the same Spirit. Some of you, the Lord will give you the gift of healing. That when you lay hands on the sick, they will recover. And that ministry will operate through you on a regular basis. It will not operate through you if you have spirits of pride, spirits of arrogance. It's not going to operate. To another, the workings of miracles. To another, prophecy. This doesn't make you a prophet, but the prophecies will come through you. To another, the discerning of spirits. All deliverance workers need to ask the Lord to give them discerning of spirits. To another, different types of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. You have the gift of interpreting tongues. You have the gift of speaking tongues. Different dialects. The Lord will give these gifts to you. That was You were called to seek these things out from the Lord. You were called to seek the knowledge of the power of God. But without deliverance, you'll be deceived. Because at this point in time, you can't tell the difference between, at all times, between the operation of the Lord and the operation of the demons, between the operation of the spirit and the operation of your soul. You can't tell the difference. And the demons indwell the soul. So there's times when you get an interpretation of tongues and it comes out of the soul, influenced by a demon. 
And if you don't know the word of God and the way God operates, you'll think it's coming right from the Lord. So you got to become more knowledgeable in the word of God. I know a per I told a person a little while ago that if you're recognizing the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ according to tonal quality, you can be very easily deceived. Because none of us know the tonal quality of the voice of Jesus. Does he have more bass? Does he have more treble? Is he a baritone? Is he a tenor? If you're using that to recognize the voice of the Lord, you're going to be deceived. Because you can't tell the difference. And the demons can counterfeit that. What you have to do is recognize the voice of the Lord according to the word of God. If it's in line with the word of God, then that came from the Lord. But if it's out of line with the precepts of the Bible, that did not come from the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'd say it also, I do not believe that the Lord speaks to people as often as they think he does. Because he would rather you go into the word of God. He would rather you walk through the word of God, operate in the word of God, than depend on hearing an oral, audible voice from him to guide you. He says he leads by the spirit and the word is truth. So the combination of this and the leading of your spirit is where you should be seeking guidance, not from voices out of the air. Praise the Lord. So you were called to use the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus gave you a power in Luke 10, 19. Luke 10, 19, Jesus said, Behold, I give unto you power. This word power, I believe, comes from the Greek word dunamis, which means dynamite. I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, I hear a lot of believers quote the second half of that scripture, that nothing shall by any means hurt you. That is only applicable if you're doing the first part. If you are using this power to tread on serpents and tread on scorpions, then nothing shall hurt you. That's the only way it works. This is why believers are being killed. They think there is some automatic protection from hurt from the demons. And it's not true. You're protected if you're carrying out the works of the Lord and treading on serpents and scorpions. Then you're protected from hurt. Praise the Lord. Now the entire chapter of Ephesians 6 is a call of God on his people to attack the forces of darkness. You're in an army. You were called to be a battle axe. And a battle axe must be as sharp as possible. And the entire chapter, if you read that sixth chapter of Ephesians, it's a call of the people of God to do war with Satan. The deliverance ministry which also has spiritual warfare, is the ministry that the Lord is using to attack the forces of darkness. The Lord is going to send the believers in deliverance up against some of the spirits that have not been troubled by man for centuries. He's, uh, Richard said that, um, not only Richard, but, but Buzz and them also, are coming up against a spirit that is so fierce, so defiant, that it just sits there and glares. It doesn't move. It doesn't do anything. Uh, Richard said that, uh, Richard Wilmot said that they attacked the spirit. It was a main principality in a person. And it just glared at them. They didn't get this thing to budge. They didn't get it to blink or anything. It just sat there and glared at them. And they used every tactic they knew 
So we have got to develop in the Lord to the point that even the big guns, the ones that are on the right hand of Satan, the inner council, will tremble when the believers come up against them. You should be walking into areas that when the demons are in there, they begin to tremble because of the power of the Lord that's operating through you. This is what happens when Pastor Worley goes around. He goes to some place and he just stands up at the platform and folks start getting ugly. Folks start getting mean. The demons start, start manifesting. That's, that's where the Lord is moving us to. Moving us to the same point. That when we go into areas, when we're right now, in some of your instances, when you're around your relatives, they're uneasy. They don't want you to come around quite as much anymore. They don't appreciate you like they used to. Mommy don't even care if you come around or not anymore. She don't care if you call her or not. That's because of the demons. Realize we're fighting against an evil force. It's not them. It's the demons inside of them. Okay. Praise the Lord. The Lord has set a task before the believers that is so great that only he can handle it, but you're not to become afraid. I believe that at this time, the Lord Jesus Christ is calling us into a more serious commitment than what we've had in the past. He has a, God has a specific purpose that he expects in our lives from each one of us, regardless how insignificant you think you may be. The Lord has a specific calling on your life. He has a specific expectation for your life. It may not be to preach to thousands. It may be to minister to a lady that comes in here from Deerberg, West Germany, named Inga Weber, who the Lord made a complete transformation in her life from when she came in here and from when she left through the ladies that prayed for her over here on the corner in the, on the floor. That may be what the Lord is calling in your life. That was what he expects you to do. If the demons can, they will pull you out of this ministry. I've always said, if there's a doorway in your life that will lead out of deliverance, Satan will be looking for the key. If it's going to take prosperity, if it's going to take position, if it's going to take deceitfulness of riches, if it's going to take the lure of the world, if there's any doorway in your life that will lead you out of deliverance, Satan is going to look for the key. And that's what he's done. He's found the doorway in a lot of people's lives. What does it take to get that person out of deliverance? I believe that the demons have council meetings. They have to in order to coordinate their activities. And they get in those council meetings and say, okay, now how have we been doing against Frank? Oh, I don't know. He's still scared of being married. <laughs> uh, keep putting some pressure in that area. <laughs> yeah. What are we doing for so-and-so person? Keep working on them in a certain area. We've got them discouraged. Keep working on that discouragement. Well, how are you doing with so-and-so? We've been hitting his finances pretty good. He's becoming discouraged. Well, hit his finances a little bit more. Maybe he'll walk out of deliverance if we get him a better job. And they keep doing that. They keep working on the husband. They keep working on the wives. Get them in opposition against one another. Get a little dissension. The prince over this church is still um, um, dissension. Isn't it? Right. Dissension is still the prince assigned to this church. So that guy, he riles up sometimes. Okay, now how are we doing? I don't know. Let's get a little tail bearing going down there. Uh, let's get a little accuser of the brethren going down there. Get some strife going. Thread that strife through the congregation. Got to do something in order to drive the people out of the ministry. Get them at opposition, odds with each other. Drive them out of the, out of the ministry. And that's what he does. 
He's pulled a lot of people out of this ministry. So praise the Lord. The Lord is calling for a deeper commitment on our lives. All of our personal ambitions, all of our personal goals are to take second to this ministry. If you have the ambition to be the president of the company, it's second place to this ministry. If you have the goal to be the principal of the school and you're working hard in your aspirations, that's the second place to the ministry of the Lord and the calling he's placed in your life. When you step into eternity, if you are president of General Dynamics, it's not going to mean a blessed thing. But if you fulfill the calling and the expectations of God in your life, that's what's going to count. Because only the things you do for the Lord Jesus Christ are going to count. When you stand before the Lord to give account of your works, you can tell him you were a master chief in the United States Navy and it will not mean a hill of beans. What he's going to say is that you fulfill the calling that I placed in your life. I told you to do this. I told you to do that. I commanded you to cast out demons. I commanded you to heal the sick. I commanded you to evangelize. Did you do that? Did you pour out your whole life meeting my requirements or my calling on your life? That's the only thing that's going to count. It is through deliverance that the body of Christ is going to be restored. There isn't any other way. All the other ways have been tried. They're only going to be restored through deliverance. That's the only area that's kicking the demons out. I felt that the Lord wanted me to say these things this morning just to bring our attentions back to uh, the call and the assignment that he has placed on our life. As we look around, we see a lot of people falling away from deliverance. A lot of people are falling away from the Lord. And we thank the Lord for those people that are sticking it out. But the Lord is calling for a more serious commitment. He's calling for you to evaluate your time. If you're spending time watching Miami Vice, Riptide, Remington Steel, some of those other programs, those soap operas that come on night, Dynasty, some of those things, you're just wasting time. Do you know that those things trigger into your subconscious and manifest doing prayer? You ever notice that? They manifest during prayer time and they manifest during deliverance. How you cannot concentrate on the demons because those thoughts come through the mind and they surface and the demons bring them up. Okay? So you're just wasting time. If you sit around watching television and watching the program, you're wasting time. You're wasting valuable time. Time that should be spent in coming into the knowledge of the Lord and the knowledge of his calling on our lives. He wants you to evaluate your time. This is the only segment of time in history, in all eternity, that you will be allowed to gather silver and gold and the works of Christ. When you step over into eternity, that's it. This is the only time span in life that you can do the works of Christ and gather the rewards that you will have for all eternity. I always tell husbands and wives that if you live three score and ten years, which the Bible says he'll give you a long life if you set your love upon him, if you live three score and ten years or four score by reason of strength, that is the only period of time in all eternity that God is going to allow a husband and wife to enjoy each other. Only those years. Because when we get to heaven, there will not be husband and wife. There will not be marriage. Jesus said so. So the only time a man and woman are going to be able to enjoy each other 
is during this time span on earth, which is just a vapor according to eternity. So why argue and fight with one another? Why not cast the demons out and enjoy life with each other instead of wasting years? Praise the Lord. There's a scripture in 1 Corinthians 11.31 that exhorts us to examine ourselves. So I encourage you this morning to take a look at your life. Jesus said that he does those things always which are pleasing to the Father. Evaluate your life and say, am I doing those things which are pleasing to the Father? Seek the guidance of the Father, seek the guidance of the Lord to fulfill the calling that he's placed on your life. He has placed on the housewives' lives, some of them, to be good housewives. Then that's what he's designed for you to do. You're to work as a proclaiming the word. You are to lay hands on the sick. You are to cast out demons. And you are to be a good housewife. He's called husbands. Some husbands are supposed to be uh, casting out demons, healing the sick, uh, proclaiming the gospel, and being an excellent husband, being an excellent father. We're to be the best that the Lord has called us to be, and he has equipped us to be that. So I believe that the Lord is calling us. He's saying, is that, examine yourself. See if I'm pleased with that which you're doing. If it's demonic, get rid of the demons. Don't ever stop coming for prayer. Don't let the demons talk you into that area of, you're not so bad now. Everything is okay. You don't really need prayer. Uh, what you need is just a little bit more word. No, don't let them fool you. Because they're still in there. and There's still areas of our life, like in the alcoholic syndrome, where the Lord is revealing more and more areas. Because the more ground that's taken back from the enemy, the more that the power of God can be manifested through the body of Christ. See, he can't manifest the body, the power now to the degree he wants to because he can't trust us. See, if the Lord Jesus Christ was manifesting full power through me, the next guy that cuts in front of me on the Borman Expressway is going to be in big trouble because he's going to get zapped. And uh, some of these guys that go around and mistreat their families would be zapped. So he's not able to manifest that power to the degree he wants to. See, but through the Lord Jesus Christ, he could do that. The Lord Jesus Christ could have blew the Pharisees and scribes right off the earth with the amount of power, but he had compassion on them. He would deal with them, but yet he would not just destroy them. So praise the Lord. I encourage you this morning to evaluate your life. Look at the things you're doing. Look at the call that the Lord has placed on your life. Go back into the word. And look at those things that the Lord has placed on your life. There's specific things he's called you to do. There's uh, things he's called husbands to do. I think we could teach for years on the responsibility of husbands. The responsibilities of fathers. There's things he's called us in to do. So look at those things. Evaluate them. And then seek the Lord how you can fulfill the call that he's placed on your life. Praise the Lord. If you're here this morning and you have not made the Lord Jesus Christ your personal Lord and your personal Savior, then that's the most important thing. Um, I think we're reaching a point in time where the Lord has given persons sufficient time to come to him. And he does reach a point where he backs off. He did that with the king, with the Pharaoh. He tried to deal with Pharaoh for a while, and then there's a point where it says he hardened Pharaoh's heart. He just backs away from the person. 
So if you haven't made the Lord Jesus Christ your personal Savior, you should do that this morning. Stop putting it off. You don't have a guarantee that you're going to live beyond that door. So stop putting it off. Say, I'll do it next week and I'll do it next week. Do it today. If you have made the Lord your Savior and you have doubts whether you're really born again, the demon's been telling you that a born-again person would not act the way that you're acting, then come up this morning and let someone go through the Bible with you and um, confirm that uh, you have accepted the Lord. And that's possible because the Lord, uh, the demons did that to me for a while. When I first came to the Lord, I was in the Lord eight months before I got the assurance because right after I accepted the Lord, the next day I was walking down the street and I heard a little voice that said, look at that woman. And I looked and it said, look again. And I looked again and said, born again person wouldn't look twice. They don't look once. I lost it. Okay, so that's little things they do to make you doubt your salvation. Okay. Oh, I got delivered of that guy, by the way. But um, come up this morning. Let someone take you through the word and confirm your, your salvation. If you're being driven, harassed, and tormented, you're driven into compulsive behavior, you're doing those things that you do not want to do, and the good that you want to do, you find yourself not being able to do it, these are the actions of demons. And the Lord has commissioned us and called us to cast them out. He said, these signs shall follow them that believe, in my name shall they cast out demons, and that's why we do it. He also said that uh, another sign that shall follow believers is they shall speak with new tongues. Uh, tongues is a heavenly language, and the demons can't interfere when you're praying in the spirit. And this is a gift from God, and we uh, invite you to partake of it. Uh, the Lord also commands us that they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. There are people here that believe in healing, and it's cheaper than Blue Cross Blue Shield or MedCom. And uh, they will lay hands upon you and you shall be healed. If you have any needs this morning, we invite you to come up. Praise the Lord. Would you like to stand? If you have any needs, come up the middle. And the workers, come up the side. No hiding, no ducking out. <laughs> Folks, did you enjoy that? Oh, man, that was good. I want to find more. And I'll tell you something, as I was listening to that, uh, Joe Miles, which I had not heard speak until tonight, mentioned another minister, Richard Wilmot. I have found him, and I believe he's still alive, and I've reached out to him, shot him an email and a Facebook message, and I am going to uh, see if we can get him on the program. It would be awesome. So we're going to work on that. Okay. Here's what I'm going to do. Uh, we're going to uh, save this, come back, do one more program, and then uh, we'll be back uh, tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Eastern, with Ivory Hopkins. Okay, stand by for Reset.